Lane Merrifield is an expert when it comes to selling to consumers, but he's also quickly becoming an expert on selling to schools. He's the Club Penguin guy. Remember that big, massive multiplayer online game that was basically a virtual world, but for kids? Well, Club Penguin was acquired by Disney for $350 million back in 2007. And now, Lane's in the EdTech game with an assessment platform called FreshGrade. He's got some good insights into the similarities and differences between selling to consumers and selling to districts. So we'll bring him later on in the podcast. And I am stoked to be back on here. Yeah, how does it feel to be back, Mary Jo? Uh, pretty darn fantastic. So for all you podcast listeners, I am back from vacation, and I'm absolutely jazzed to be hopping back on that podcast microphone. Ironically enough, though, Michael is not here today. He left me. Well, temporarily, that is. That deep, melodious voice that you just heard is none other than Blake Montgomery, the newest addition to the EdSurge editorial team. Welcome, Blake. Thanks, MJ. It's my first week at EdSurge, and I'm super stoked to be writing newsletters and contributing to the podcast. I've been listening for a while. This week has seen some big shifts in EdTech, so it's a great week to dive into this world. Shout out to everyone who's listening to the podcast for the first time. Get excited for our interview with the one and only Lane Merrifield. And thus, onward we go. All that and more is coming at you right now. I'm Mary Jo Matta. And I'm Blake Montgomery. Welcome to the EdSurge Podcast. Can you spell interoperability? Well, Beatriz Arneas can. In fact, this IT director at the Houston Independent School District, or HISD for short, is responsible for leading a district-wide initiative to adopt and maintain interoperability standards. That means that HISD has facilitated ways for platforms, like their learning management system and content providers, to speak to one another. If you're looking to do the same in your district, Her big recommendations include making sure that both the learning management system and content provider products are aligned to the IMS Global interoperability standards. Mary Jo, can you give give us an example of interoperability? How would that actually play out in a school? That's a great question. So an example I could see is if you're on an LMS like Schoology and a lot of your social studies teachers are looking to pull in either lesson plans or resources from some sort of external content provider like maybe Discovery Education, connecting those two together would be a lot easier for them to just access one place instead of having to go to the LMS and Discovery Education separately. I see. Okay. Massive open online courses, MOOCs, for those of you just getting into ed tech, their completion rates aren't great. They're stuck around 6%. What happened to the frenzied MOOC excitement of 2012? Is there any hope? The answer is yes. Brain Chase, an online learning tool designed to help second to eighth graders combat summer learning loss, can set an example for MOOC designers, according to EdSurge columnist Alex Hernandez. Brain Chase is recording completion rates of its five-week MOOC around 50%. Elementary school students are beating adults. Any parent who's played chess with their fourth grader knows the feeling. To hear more about a personal experience with Brain Chase, head over to EdSurge for Hernandez's piece. His nine-year-old twins successfully made it through Brain Chase, and he ruminates on the tool's secret sauce. On the site this week, 25-year veteran teacher Julie Wilcott took us through the steps of her teaching career that led to her current blended learning classroom. It began four long years ago as she fumbled through implementing one iPad per student. Next came her travels through iTunes U, 
creating digital resources, and then an Apple Distinguished Educator Award. It continues with learning and conferences. And if you're looking to emulate her experiences, check out her full article on edsearch.com. She's an expert, and she's been at this edtech game for years now. Check out the top 10 education games of any app store, and you'll probably find a Toka Boca app. They make 28 apps that do all sorts of things, like let you play vet and race cars and cook. The high rankings aren't a surprise. The Swedish company recently celebrated 100 million downloads. What makes them so special? Are the games really educational? Are they even games at all? Ed Surge engineer Brady Fukumoto played through several Toka Boca apps on his commute to work to find out. You'll have to read his piece on edgesurge.com to answer these questions. The proposed Safe Kids Act, which is the most recent of four federal student data privacy bills, stirred up a bit of controversy this past week. Software industry trade group SIIA believes it creates, quote, unnecessary, unquote, restrictions on what schools and companies can do with student data. But that, unfortunately, was met with harsh words from child advocacy group Common Sense Media, which lambasted SIIA for suggesting that student data can be used for commercial advertising. And now it's time for Kitchings. Mastery Connect, the competency-based learning platform that we surmise many of you have used before, has raised $5 million from Zuckerberg Education Ventures, the for-profit venture fund associated with the Facebook founder. The funding is an extension of the company's $15.2 million Series B round announced in September 2014 and boosts Mastery Connect's fundraising total to $29 million. The Salt Lake City-based company claims it is used in 85% of U.S. school districts and has close to 1,800 paying districts and schools. To me, the ubiquity of Mastery Connect is its most astounding feature. I would agree with that. In other news, LearnZillion, which offers a library of Common Core-aligned instructional resources, has raised $13 million from 13 investors, including DCM Ventures and Owl Ventures. There was a nice parallels to that sentence. The Washington, D.C.-based LearnZillion says that one in four K-12 teachers across the U.S. use its software. That would be 15,000 schools and 2,000 districts. promised you an interview with Lane Merrifield, former founder of Club Penguin, which was a massive virtual reality world that kids love. And we're excited to share this with you because when it comes to selling to schools, there's pros and cons to doing that over selling to consumers. But before we get to it, I have to pose one question because it was driving me absolutely bananas before our EdSurge CEO Betsy Corcoran got on the mic with Lane. And that question is, why would one leave the consumer world behind and enter into ed tech to pursue an assessment product called FreshGrade? I know, I'm playing devil's advocate, but think about it, especially when the product in question, Club Penguin, is so popular and profitable. Well, Lane definitely has his reasons, and it has a lot to do with his own childhood and watching his own daughter grow up. Um, tell us a little bit about starting FreshGrade. What, what actually made you get started with FreshGrade in particular? Um, well, it's a great question. One of the, uh, a lot of it dates back to the fact that I am a parent and I am a child of a lifelong educator and a brother, actually. My sister's a, a principal now um, of a school. And, uh, and my wife and I had been driving back from our parent-teacher conference night, uh, that, you know, the routine every three to four months that we all go through as parents. And, um, 
And I turned to my wife in the car and I looked at her and I just said, this is, this is kind of crazy. I remember my mom as a child having our kitchen table filled with documents and papers and homework and files and folders. It was like the, it was like the do not touch areas. It was the place you do not speak of, look at, don't go there. It was the only time as a kid. We loved it because it was the only time as a kid <laughs> we could eat, TV, eat, eat dinner in front of the TV. And so, nice. uh, and so thankfully, um, I, you know, and I'm, in my head I was thinking, well, thankfully this must have all changed by now. And we're driving back from a parent-teacher conference and I just realized in almost 35 years this has gone unchanged. And I, and I was struggling with the fact I was trying to think of other things in our world, other things in our life that had gone that unchanged. I, and I don't mean complete. I mean, I realize what's that? Twinkies. Twinkies. Yes. Some of them have lasted uh, 35 years as well. So that's that's their shelf life is fantastic. Um, but I just thought in every other part of our world, we have greater access to data and information and communication around each uh, about each other than ever before through tools like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. We have greater access and connection to celebrities. We have greater access and connection to entertainment. We have greater access and connection to all these things. But I still know more about what my random aunt did on her vacation two months ago than I know about what my daughter did in school mm -hmm. yesterday. Mm -hmm. And that fundamentally bothered me. And I and and I you know. This is a few years ago now because we spent about a year just researching. In fact, we partnered up with the University of British Columbia to do a bit of research around this, but also just looking out there thinking there has to be someone that solved this. This must be solved and maybe we just missed it or someone else you know, hasn't been marketed well or, or schools just haven't been made aware of it yet. And, um, and we couldn't find anything. And so then we started sitting down with teachers and wondering um, – you know, why is it why is it still unchanged? Why is it still this way? And no one really had a great answer. Lane and his team interviewed teachers for almost a year searching for pain points. They worked hard to understand the users themselves. That sounds pretty familiar, right? It sounds like something any company would do, whether in ed tech or in an, another industry. But as Betsy asks, the big question revolves around how that process differs from doing the same thing in the consumer world. So that's interesting. So you put, you know, as you said, a year's worth of research. You went to academia. You went to teachers themselves. I want to contrast that a little bit with Club Penguin. Mm -hmm. When you started Club Penguin, did you go to universities? Did you talk to kids? How um, did you start Club Penguin? Um, well, we we certainly, we, you know, obviously having kids, we had a fairly so good understanding. So you had a couple sample kids. Okay. We did. We did go, uh, we did do a little bit of research. My wife actually has her, uh, well, she's working on her PhD now, but master's in clinical psychology with a focus on childhood development. So uh, she was our go-to childhood psychologist. So she brought a ton of insight. Um, but no, you know, at the end of the day, um, we really tried to address the problem like any good entrepreneur does by having a passion and a heart for what it is you're trying to solve and then you go after it and you and you don't solve it perfectly the first time and you adapt and you adjust and you adapt and adjust and you listen and i think if you build a strong enough for us the 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 core of club penguin was about building a strong enough relationship and community with our users and with our players that we could adapt instantaneously and then we built a mechanism to be able to allow for that adaption uh, uh, that adapting to take place and um, and that's a kind of the same stance we've taken with fresh grid before we'd even rolled anything out publicly we spent about a while about a year in just raw research another year in testing the waters of a few different ways of rolling out the app and what it might look like and then another six months in a private closed beta 
finessing and fine tuning and finessing and fine tuning before we would even allow public to you know the public the general public uh, access to it. So I'm going to say it sounds like you spent a lot more time, with all due respect, to mm-hmm. your wife and children and so forth. But it does sound like you spent a lot more time kind of researching what's it going to take to make fresh grade work. Then Club Penguin, which is mm-hmm. great. For which sure. Is great. Now, you made the, the next point, which is, okay, with Club Penguin, you could iterate really quickly. You had a lot of kids there. Kids, mm-hmm. In fact, I remember how kids just flocked to Club Penguin. Mm-hmm. So you must have had a pretty fast growth. You must have had a lot of interactions going on. Do you have the same ability to learn as quickly with something like Fresh Grade, where you have to go maybe a little bit more slowly? You're building out by teachers, by districts. Does the iteration take a little longer? Um, I think the rollout of some of the iteration might take longer because we're intentionally, we don't want to overwhelm people with too much change. And and, um, and I think we want to be respectful, you know, respectful of that aspect. The learning is, it goes unchanged. So meaning I would feel, I feel like our team is actively learning as much now with FreshGrade as our team was through Club Penguin back then. Um, we have a little bit more time to hone and to decide kind of how we want to implement it. And we certainly um, want to be more methodical in how we roll it out. For kids, it was give it as much as we can, as fast as we can. And don't don't worry if we're confused. Them yeah, yeah. We'll figure it out. Anyway. We'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah. Uh, and for teachers and educators, obviously, we want to be respectful of the fact that they have, they're being flooded with tools and apps and um, different UX designs and UI interfaces and logins and all the time. And so we certainly want to make it as we want FreshGrade to be a place of peace from that world, not be adding to the clutter. Great. Now, Lane could talk more about designing for users, testing for users, but we bet you're interested in hearing the tricks of the trade when it comes to sales. Selling is really complex in EdTech especially because a lot of times the people who have the buying power aren't always the end users. Well, Betsy poses the question like this. How are sales alike and different in the consumer and edtech worlds? Lane's answer is nuanced. You have to be respectful of all audiences involved, but that's not always easy to do in edtech when you have one product and one platform. The consumer market. Sure. Um, At its core, it's quite similar in that with Club Penguin, our users and our um, uh, customers or payers were were two different groups. Obviously, our users were the kids, um, but unfortunately, you know, or fortunately, depending on which side of that you stand. uh, I I would say fortunately. Visa or MasterCard wasn't trusting eight-year-olds with credit cards. Uh, And so so, um, from that perspective, obviously, we needed to serve parents as well as as kids. And because we weren't advertising or marketing based, um, it actually helped us because we could be advocates of both sides and we could take an approach as a group of parents trying to build something great for our kids. Um, We could take a very empathetic approach to that. That being said, there are two very different markets and two very different worlds. And we had to make sure that we were communicating what Club Penguin was to parents differently than we would to kids, helping keep everyone in the know of what's happening, making sure that features and rollouts and and implementation was consistent on both, um, and making sure that we were being respectful of both audiences. And certainly, for as much as parents 
would complain saying, oh, my kid's spending all this time on Club Penguin and, you know, you guys are doing too much to make them want to stay. It's like, well, we also built an amazing parent portal that gives you tools to limit their time on Club Penguin and you can choose the time of day and choose the amount of time and those types of things. How and, many parents really use the parent portal? Uh, more than what you think. I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, it actually got quite a bit of usage. But, but all that to say, um, it was a complex ecosystem of buyers and users of our product. Okay. So people who feel like they have to push the boulder uphill in selling to schools and districts should stop whining. No, no, I don't. I, that's a, don't put words into my mouth, Betsy. That's not <laughs> fair. Um, I, I, um, I just think anything worth doing that is trying to disrupt the status quo is always going to bring a level of complexity. And those who are successful, I think, are going to be the ones who are willing to face that complexity. I mean, let's face it, with FreshGrade, we went head into um, – there's a lot of apps and a lot of products out there that were kind of serving the fringe of the teaching, uh, of the learning experience. It was this piece is all about communicating this element and this piece is about – uh, you know, behavior and this piece kind of covers, and it was kind of all these other elements. With FreshGrade, we went straight in. We said, we're about capturing, documenting, communicating, learning um, to parents, students, and teachers and keeping that uh, connection in place. That's a daunting task. And I, and I can understand now after having rolled this software out why a lot of other companies kind of avoided that one. But at the heart of it, we said, if we don't solve that, none of the rest of this stuff matters. Meaning if we don't allow parents to see real-time insight into what's happening in their child's life, if we don't give teachers an increased experience or better experience when it comes to relating with the parents and the students, and even teachers' access to be able to see in real-time what's going on with the student data um, and be able to uh, you kind of dive into that data uh, in a meaningful way, um, well, then all we're doing is is attaching digital add-ons to the world that has existed for the last 35 years. And that fundamentally wasn't something that we felt comfortable with. And as we went out and talked to teachers saying, well, have you thought about doing it this way? Or would it be possible? Would this be helpful? You know, their eyes would light up and go, oh, my goodness, that would be amazing. Yeah, I, can't, I mean, to not have to I – mean, we would ask a question like, what if we got rid of parent-teacher night? And, well, that's, that's not possible. What are you talking about? Of course it's possible. If you're having a daily – interaction with parents who are able to at any time see what's happening in their student's life and are be able to feed back into that and you have this ongoing dialogue and communication with with parents why do you need these big parent teacher nights well that's impossible because it'd be too much manual work and too much effort and and it's just it's just not po well yes with the current tools you have it's not possible Lane also goes on to share some of the other big differences he sees between working in the consumer world and the ed tech world at the moment, FreshGrade has raised close to $6 million in fundraising, and Lane shares with Betsy that he notices the value that comes from EdTech investors, who know the field and are oftentimes deeply connected to the mission. Whether Lane decides to stay the rest of his life in EdTech or decides to go back to the consumer world, there's one big piece of advice that he has to share with all of you entrepreneurs, whether it's for an assessment product or an online gaming platform for kids, and that podcast listeners is audience agnostic. Don't come sharing a, a what, meaning don't just come with a great idea. You know, I've got, a, I've got the next unicorn idea, the next billion dollar idea. You know what? Ideas are a dime a dozen. Yeah, ideas are like buses. If, if, you, if you don't act on one, there'll be another one 15 minutes later. Um, at the end of the day, 
the why is what's critical uh, because the why is what's going to have you working until three or four in the morning, countless nights. The why is what's going to keep you wrestling with and struggling with these hard problems that are difficult and that no one has easily solved before, and you're going to be able to push through and solve them. And, and so, and so for me, the why was has been very much rooted in a very personal experience I had with Club Penguin. My why was watching the social web leave an entire uh, group of uh, an entire demographic behind, and and watching kids go into products and 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 platforms that weren't really designed for them and certainly weren't appropriate for them and realizing that someone needed to design something that was appropriate for kids. And that's what we did. With this, uh, it's a very similar thing. I Both growing up in a teacher's home, knowing and having experienced what parent-teacher conferences are like from a teacher's perspective, I, I remember as a kid seeing my mom come home devastated. Because even if she would have had 15 or 20 or 25 great meetings with parents, there was always the one or two that flipped out, that freaked out, that got mad at her and angry with her, told, called her a horrible teacher because their, stu- their, their child might have been struggling with something. And so I know and, and remember what that was like from that perspective. At the same time, I'm also a parent today. Uh, and I have two young kids, a 13-year-old and 9-year-old, who are active in, uh, in school. And I'm taking them to the bus every day. And I'm very much an active parent. And from that perspective, um, I just I see an opportunity that no one else seems to be stepping into. And I think we can solve it in a meaningful way. And, and, and that's what we're setting out to do. Outside of that, funding and execution and scaling and there's a ton of differences and a ton of similarities and you know we if we had 10 hours we could talk through all of them but at the, but, but at the heart of it it really comes down to why are you why, why are you trying to solve who are you trying to solve this for and then you do everything you can to serve that audience and I think that element of service is what's critical as well I think it's what set us apart with Club Penguin our audience knew our players and the parents knew that we cared about the kids and that we were passionate about doing the right thing. All right, well, that's it for today. Thanks to Julie Wilcott, Beatrice Arneas, and all of the other writers who contributed to EdSurge this week. And special thanks to Lane Merrifield. We loved your point about the imbalance of buying power in kids' ed tech. By the way, a note for the rest of you, Lane is going to be a keynote speaker at the sixth annual Canadian Ed Tech Leadership Summit, which is presented by Mindshare Learning. It's on October 27th. Get your tickets today so you can accost Lane with more questions. You know how much we journalists love questions. And speaking of Canada, back here at EdSurge, we're proud to share that we're venturing out in a few weeks to our first ever international summit. And it's happening in Toronto, Canada. So for all you Canadian teachers and administrators, and anyone else who happens to live in that general area, (laughs) we're talking about you, Michigan and New York, we encourage you to sign up and come check out the 25 plus ed tech products that we're bringing up north including a few that are headquartered up in that neck of the woods. Visit edsearch.com summits for all information. And we're also pretty excited to be grabbing some poutine while we're up there. And maple syrup and bacon and smoked salmon and all the other Canadian superfoods. Yeah, I might need a snack after this. Yeah, me too. We better stop while we're ahead before I eat this entire microphone. <laughs> and with that, we bring this podcast to a close. I'm Blake Montgomery. And I'm Mary Dramata. We'll see you next week. This is the Ed Surge Podcast.